Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the JWB Dynasty Digest, where we give you a consumable dynasty perspective. He's Skyler. I'm White. And tonight we are joined by Theo Grevinger, one of the best in the business, to talk about some running backs that are a little bit hard to project for this year. So stay tuned. He has the hearts of a lot of fantasy players. I like it a lot, honestly. I like I'm I'm in for death taxes and the 2022 wide receiver class. I like what you were saying, Skyler. No player is completely untouchable. I think you guys really I had not I have not really heard this yet. I listen to a lot of pods and I have not heard this yet. Well done, gentlemen. I'm really impressed. Yo, wonderful to have you here. I feel like this is actually kind of a long time coming because we've been interacting for a long time on Twitter. So I'm happy that you were here. Yeah, it's funny when like we, we've known each other a long time on Twitter, Wyatt, and we've uh, interacted a lot. And then I'll give you a shout out. You also contributed to the world famous draft kit uh, for player profiler. That was awesome for you to do. Uh, definitely get you on there next year, Skyler. Um, but it's it's cool to see what you guys are doing. And uh, I like I like the 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 shorter dynasty podcast. I think that's there's like a real you know place in the space for it. And I and I love the show sheet. So I'm stoked to talk with you guys tonight. Appreciate it. appreciate you including me in that uh draft kit it's awesome to be a part of it and we're gonna be talking about some running backs as i mentioned but before we get to any players we always like to have a little bit of fun with our guests and have a surprise question for them so are you ready for yours i'm born ready <laughs> all right that's why i love to hear it i want to know in fantasy football who's the one person you care about beating the most that's a very very good question i i i play a lot of ffpc and nffc mm -hmm. So it's definitely Chad Schroeder because he's oh, the goat, sure. and yeah. like yeah. like we um we beat him in the pros versus Joes last year for FFPC. So the goat district, one of the podcasts I podcast for, mm -hmm. we had an entry in the pros versus Joes, and we finished first, and Chad finished second. I've had multiple times where you know you have a good team, and Chad ends up with like several teams in the in like the you know the playoffs for for some of these higher stakes events, but. He's the best. Um, he's a great guy. I've gotten to know him over the years, and I, I, I'll call him out. I want to beat him every time I see him in <laughs> yeah. one of these leagues. Yeah. And uh, you know, he's uh, he's he's really, really, really good. Um, I I will say a there's a couple other guys in in the NFFC that I I always have my eye on. Billy Wazowski. He's a tremendous player, one of the best around. Chris Ficaro. I split some teams with Nelson Sousa, who I think mm -hmm. is also like right in that same ilk. Um, Chris Ebel. And then FFPC, there's there's a bunch of them. I, I like to beat a lot of those guys. Um, and it's 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 getting harder and harder. I think you know, like these days, there's just so much information out there. There's yeah. hardly any edges. You got to like, it's it's a grind really trying to put together like tremendous builds in Dynasty and in Redraft. Yeah, I, I feel like you know you you when you're surrounded about around these incredible players, you start to almost like revert back to places where we shouldn't be. Where you know you say always oh, just be water when the drafts, you know you know stay take the adp values but you almost like have to take stands in those drafts with those players like really put your stamp on players that you feel confident about uh because everybody like you said has all this information everybody's sharp yeah and it's it's more and more like we get the the same players that steam up uh during the summer are like we all start really liking and it doesn't mean we're necessarily wrong like this year everybody loves chris alave like chris alave has mm -hmm. risen up in dynasty and in redraft, the guys just everybody's expecting this massive breakout, and I'm betting on it as well. But sometimes when it's everybody jumping on that same player, then yeah. you then it it makes a little bit of sense to try to zag and 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 pivot a little bit. It's hard to do that, and I think a lot of times like Twitter, especially, kind of amplifies these guys' rises. We saw last summer 
Gabe Davis. You know what happened with Gabe Davis? I mean, there yeah. was so much love uh, with Gabe Davis in, in in any single format. Dynasty managers were a little bit cagier with Gabe Davis than we saw mm-hmm. in redraft, but this and best ball in redraft. I mean, he he crushed people. Um, we saw it with Cortland Sutton. We saw it with oh, Allen yeah. Robin Ro- Allen Robinson late in the summer got steamed up. The Allen Robinson bounce back. So like a lot of times these, you know, it's kind of trying to take a step back and and see what's right and what's wrong and not necessarily going with what everybody else is doing. I think that's kind of the best advice uh, for anybody this time of the summer. Love it. Let's let's move into some running backs, you know, on that note. We're going to start off with Javante Williams, who DLF startup ADP for June was RB15. 10.8 half PPR points per game as a rookie while only playing 50% of the snaps, and we had a lot of expectations for him in his second year as it looked like the backfield was going to be him. Only played three healthy games, had at least not 19 opportunities in all those games, though. And then, of course, has the multi-ligament knee injury that puts him out for the season and potentially for out of part of this season. The Broncos went and signed Samaje Pirine pretty early on in free agency, really targeted him. And now it's a question of what can we really expect for Javante Williams for this year, if anything, you know, that we really want. But is there a possible buy opportunity? Do we think, like, it could get worse for his dynasty value and you could get back in? What do we think, Theo? So... Javante's a funny one for me in Dynasty. Like last summer, there was a window when we thought Melvin Gordon was gonna was gonna leave, and I sold some Javante shares. There were some very very sharp uh, analysts that were steaming Javante up into the first round in early best balls, and I sold him in a bunch of Dynasty leagues just because the the payout was immense. And I was you know not anti Javante, but anytime a guy really steams up based on a small sample size especially when it's not like a surefire first round pick. Um, You know, I think when you get a godfather offer, you should probably accept it. So I was able to do that in a couple of leagues. He was just steamed up and then Melvin Gordon returns. And then we get kind of the frustration beginning of the season. And then obviously the injury. I think there is reason for optimism now, but to say to go buy a guy who's had a big injury and it's not like Brees Hall where we've seen the incredible output like Brees Hall gave you multiple running back one weeks he showed immense talent as a receiver like you've seen Javante Williams have good receiving outputs but it hasn't been like with the sort of consistency and the sort of massive scoring outputs that like you've seen with Brees Hall so you're but you're you're still buying like a speculative fantasy points guy I think the talent is there we've all seen the talent at North Carolina and we saw the talent uh, his rookie season with Denver I think that it's I'd say I'm neutral. If you've held Javante this long, you might as well roll the dice that he comes back this year and then you could have an opportunity to sell. And you might want to just bank the points. I do worry you brought up Samaje Piran. I think Samaje Piran could be kind of a thorn in his side. And we don't know how the Sean Payton coaching staff views Javante. I think that they probably like him, but they were dead last in points per game last year. And a committee approach at running back is probably the best way for that offense to be successful. Samaje Piran was an annoying enough back for Joe Mixon managers and, you know, had some good outputs and and opportunities in in games where you were like, give the ball to Mixon. So like, if you're good enough, you're good enough to take touches from Mixon and then the team goes out and gets you in free agency, then I think you're going to have a place on the team. So I think he kind of caps Javante's receiving upside a little bit. So I think where we have him at player profiler, we have him running back 16. You said DLF has him uh, 
DLF is what we referenced, I think. 15, right? yeah. Yeah, 15. I think that's about right. I think you, you based on the age, based on the talent, I think that him as a high-end RB2 is fine, but I wouldn't want to get him having to pay high-end RB2 prices. If I'm going to uh, get him, I'd want a manager that's obviously looking for a positive news, get out of jail free card and maybe buy for like 80 cents on the dollar. But I'm okay, you know, avoiding Javante as well. So I'm going to say straight up neutral on Javante. Where are you guys at with him, Wyatt? Yeah, I love the point about Brees Hall, the comparison there, because, you know, Brees Hall was smashing in his time on the field. And it was in a similar snapshot than Javante had as in his rookie year. So there's like way more, opt- like it's understandable why, even though he suffered an injury, there's more excitement there for Brees Hall. But with Javante, like my my thing, Skylar, would be if you're interested in trying to get Javante maybe on the cheap, I would say practice a little bit more patience because I think right now there's still a little bit of optimism that maybe he'll be able to play earlier than people would expect. I don't think it's really going to happen. I think you could eat very easily end up on Pup. And if that's going to be the case, there might be a better buy window somewhere closer to the beginning of the season. What do you think, Skylar? Yeah, I want to start by saying, Theo, I think – you overplay player profile very sharp with that RB 16 ranking. Cause that's right where the JWB consensus has him is sick is right at 16 as well. Why it's the highest. He has him at 14, the lowest on our team has him at 17. So it's right in that pocket where he's going in these drafts. I will just say that, you know, in our last two JWB discord dynasty startups that we've hosted, he's gone at the top of the seventh round. And where I know we are talking, that still might be around that RB 16 range. If he is there, the seventh round of Superflex startup jazz, I feel really good about it just because of maybe not his own upside. You can you can paint where the excitement can come from. You can also paint where the apprehension should come from. But I think in market, just with how we tend to handle these young running backs, there is a lot of potential, at least from a starting standpoint coming out of your drafts, for his price to rise meteorically almost like it was you know a couple years ago we tend to prop these young running backs up so high before it's necessarily proven we've seen it with Kenneth Walker DeAndre Swift Najee Harris Javante Gibbs recently routinely we see this with the young backs and I think with a player like Javante as right now you said there might be optimism I think there's going to be even more as we get closer to the season i think samaj p ryan despite showing that he was a capable back last year is still 27 years old at the end of the day has never been a featured back there's going to be growing excitement around this is russ's bounce back year here with sean payton and i think as we see javante get on a field too, a lot of these early off-season uh, practices we see him doing cone drills we see him catching a couple passes on twitter i think he's going to creep up a little bit so i do still think we are within that window where you can get Javante Williams and potentially cash out for a small little ROI. But at the same time, if we look at where he's going right now is that RB 15, 16, one year ago, JK Dobbins was going as the RB 15, I believe. And a whole year where he, he really didn't play all too much. And we finally got to the off season where now we believe he's closer to hundred percent. He's still RB 15. So I think with Javante Williams in a similar point in his career can, almost have a forgettable season. And as long as he doesn't play and it's a disaster, they'll play the whole season. The whole season's kind of a disaster. I think he kind of holds his value. So you might want to bank the points and not hold to a player who's just going to stay flat for the year. But I do think if you are buying with the potential that either this team takes a step up or you can cash in, you know, as early as right before the season starts, 
you can at least feel a little reassurance that you you won't lose value on this player. I think Javante Williams will at least hold where he is at through the season. Yeah, he's definitely insulated in in terms of his value because people give him the benefit of the doubt. He got the Hackett benefit of the doubt. He got the committee backfield, uh, you know, his rookie year benefit of the doubt. And now, you know, you have him coming off of an injury. So, yeah, it's probably, you know, he's got a longer window than most. Um, and if he does come back to kind of the form and a points per game that you saw to end his rookie year, he's going to gain a ton of value. So, yeah, you're, you're probably spot on. I, I like where you guys have him ranked as well. I think if I was going to pivot off of Javante, I think the move would be if I have a real contender trading him for a older back who you know you're going to get a ton of production from because the windows are probably similar because if there's another injury to Javante, it really wrecks him. So using him in like a pivot for like trying to trade up for a Nick Chubb, I think that sort of thing could be it could be a way to do it if a team needed to maybe slightly rebuild in Dynasty and I'd go after like a 27-year-old back. And maybe my window for him wouldn't be as long, but I would have a little more guarantee of, you know, at least this year having a really impactful fantasy scoring line. I, I really like that point because with a player like Javante, despite him being young, I am treating him almost like an older running back in terms of window because of the point you made where if anything does happen again, like it's, you know, the bottom is going to fall out because people are just going to abandon ship uh, with another injury or anything like that. Yeah. Absolutely. At the end of June, we talked a little bit about Javante and a couple of these other players on stream. I was with uh, Jake Perry. If you guys want to find any of our old takes, go down in the description top of it. You'll see our clips catalog, our take on every single player in the league, uh, alphabetically and chronologically listed. But we, we talked exactly what Theo was saying, where if you are in a win now window where you might not want to have to have that patience and you have Javante Williams, you're wondering what to do with him. I do think being able to move him, even if you want to go down and pick up a Joe Mixon plus a second, or the ideal trade for me would be get a, get a first with Joe Mixon, move Javante in a second. I think that would be like ideal. But also, if you can package, preferably a player who might hang around that late second in terms of value, like like a Kadarius Tony or a Gabe Davis with Javante, and go get yourself a Nick Chubb or a player in that kind of range. Uh, I'm very cool with it as well. I I do think there's depending on your league ways to play around with this with a player like Derrick Henry as well that might be closer to even or even to some managers where you could potentially leverage a player you prefer getting back for one on your roster that you don't. So I, I like the call as well. Yeah. I'll, I'll quickly mention before we're going on to our second running back of the day, I like the Derrick Henry call a lot specifically because like, if you look at DLF, Derrick Henry is three spots below Javante. You might get a plus on top of Henry mm -hmm. trading away Javante. And if you're competing team, that's just a winning move in my opinion, but let's move on to our second running back of the day. The aforementioned JK Dobbins DLF June startup ADP was RB 16. Basically the perfect comparison for Javante Williams, similar injuries, multi-ligament knee injuries, uh, basically with their on their second year, also similar rookie seasons, the way that JK Dobbins had 10.6 have PPR points per game. Now he turned it up towards the end of the season when they kind of started involving him more, had 16.7 over the last six games, came back about mid-year last year, eight games. He played with nine and a half, 9.7 half PPR points per game in that time. Uh, basically on one leg, honestly, I thought it was kind of impressive that he was even able to produce because I like there's the one break breakoff run he had open hole and he's basically running on one leg, like kind of dragging the other along the way. But this year, Todd Munkin comes in as OC, finally getting rid of Greg Roman. And, and hopefully, you know, we think Todd Munkin is going to speed up this offense and change this offense. Maybe J.K. Dobbins actually gets some more passes thrown his way in a 
Todd Munkin offense, but we don't actually know about any of that, right? Like we don't know exactly what will happen with J.K. Dobbins. Skylar, how are you feeling about J.K. Dobbins right now? Well, earlier when Theo said for Javante Williams that he is about as level as you can be on the player, that's where I'm at on J.K. Dobbins. It isn't somebody that I'm particularly excited about, not somebody I'm particularly down on. I think he's pretty appropriate where he is. I mean, the whole theme of this video is running backs that are hard to project. For me, J.K. Dobbins fits exactly into that mold. Uh, there's a lot of question marks with exactly how this offense is going. I mean, early reports say they want to pass the ball more. The pace of play is going to be up, and those could be good things here for J.K. Dobbins. I do I do wish this player was more involved in the passing game within his career. We really haven't seen that target share ever pick up to the numbers I would like, even to that 8 to 10% mark that I would like him to be at. Um, but he has been one of the most efficient backs in the league since he has come in. The question for me is going to be, can he capture that 50 to 60% of the snap chair? Uh, the depth chart certainly says he has the opportunity to, and what will his involvement be on the goal line in the passing game? It could increase in the passing game. Again, he could always get some of the looks like he did his rookie year in the red zone. I don't have a whole lot of game plan here with J.K. Dobbins other than if somebody in your league is very excited on him, uh, there are a couple pivots I like. I do think you can get a nice little plus on top of a player like Dave Montgomery, or if you go back earlier in our segment when we talked about a player like Derrick Henry, if you're a win now, or a Nick Chubb, ways to either move down, potentially get plus on top of Derrick Henry, or to add a little bit and get up to Nick Chubb. I'm just a lot more comfortable in those ranges. I really don't want to bank or depend on J.K. Dobbins. If I had a build where I think I have any ability to compete and J.K. Dobbins is the top back on my roster, I'm very uncomfortable. I think if he's a back in RB2 for your team, that's kind of the expectations. Maybe you have a strong option underneath him as well. We can have a different conversation, but I just don't have a whole lot of confidence in the player. Uh, just based on his his usage coming off the injury, contract year, new OC, there's too many question marks for me to plant a flag. Like a lot of managers would probably like to, J.K. Dobbins this offseason. Um, he's just not the type of player I want to flag plan on i think there's too wide a range of outcomes and i'm just not bold enough to go out and chase a player like this aggressively so that's where i'm at on jk doms at the moment yeah i would echo what you said skylar and then add in that he is in the last year of his rookie deal and we don't know what will happen after that so i am treating him again like javante williams they're same tier for me same kind of thing where i'm only really thinking about a one-year window for them if they're on my team for that reason and i'm kind of been hands off to this point uh theo what do you think so i'm actually a little more bullish on on dobbins than you guys are we have him ranked slightly behind javante williams on player profiler we have him uh, i think i believe it's rb20 so same tier but but behind uh i'm very optimistic about this i think he came back and looked good to end last season and he's 24 years old i like the fact that he's on the the last year of his contract because i think it's a lot to prove for him you think about like like J.K. Dobbins gets in like Twitter beefs with like you know not like not like Matthew yes. Barry. He gets in Twitter beefs with like just random dudes on Twitter, you know, <laughs> questioning his 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 injury status and you know his abilities. And I'm like, this guy's got a lot of pride, um, maybe a little too much pride. And he's I think he's a very talented guy. And I think that there's you know Skyler, you bring up the Todd Munkin offense. I think it's going to be very beneficial for him. I do believe the pace of play is going to increase. I think that Ravens fans are going to riot if this offense doesn't look a little more modern and fast-paced. And by all accounts, I think that that's the way it's going. I think the additions at wide receiver are going to help him a lot. And we talk about with Javante Williams, they brought in Samaje Piran, and 
that was a back that they targeted. Baltimore did nothing to bring in any competition for Dobbins. Gus Edwards is also, you know, a guy that's been coming off of injuries. And I don't think there's any real hope for like Justice Hill and some of the other guys on the roster. So for me, you know, we look at what they've done. I, I don't think you need a ton of, of receiving work for J.K. Dobbins, but I think there will be at least some receiving work. You think about like James Cook, Kenny McIntosh, some of the guys in the in the Todd Munkin offenses at Georgia where they were getting the ball in the hands of the running backs out of the backfield. And I think that based on the amount of money they gave to Lamar Jackson, I don't think there'll be quite as many design runs. You're still going to get a ton of rushing ability from from Lamar on broken plays. That's in his that's in his like second nature muscle memory. You'll still get some rushing yards, but maybe not quite as much. I think J.K. Dobbins for this year has double digit touchdown potential, and I think he'll actually gain some dynasty value. Um, you know the the free agency thing is a little bit worrisome because there's so many guys that are on like their last year this year. It's going to be a wild year for for like this offseason. but for you know sure. I think it's a guy that people people drafted early in the NFL and it's a guy that the talent is there and when he enters free agency he'll be 25 years old you could see a similar like Miles Sanders like situation scores a bunch of touchdowns in a in a very good offense cashes out goes somewhere else or he could just end up back in Baltimore next year next to Lamar Jackson so I'm going to stay optimistic on Dobbins I think he has you know easily his best season and I think he has a chance to be like a like a fringe RB1 in redraft um so so I'm kind of on him I, I appreciate the confidence. I like it because like I am in a position where I could be pushed one way or the other on, on JK Dobbins. So I like to hear some confidence from someone I respect like you, Theo, but let's, let's put the, the, the Dobbins love to test and do a little this or that. So Dobbins or Javante Williams for you. We'll start with that. I'll go Dobbins, but I like, it's very, it's very close just based on the quality of the offense and the fact that I think that he's going to score more than, than Javante this season. And yeah. I know that's not necessarily the, the dynasty take we want to hear, but I think this season matters a lot um, because like you said, it's two backs that have had injuries. I want to get the points this right. year. Right. Uh, Dobbins or Joe Mixon? I'll go Dobbins because of the age, but I think Mixon's Mixon's right there. Um, I think it, that's that's a very good one. You could, you could sway me either way on that. Yeah. I'll mention that uh, on DLF, Joe Mixon is uh, four spots behind Dobbins so that might be a play there if you're not into Dobbins this year let's do one more uh Dobbins or Najee Harris begrudgingly I'll, I'll take Najee Harris I don't think <laughs> Najee like I, I don't love the talent for Najee but the bottom line speaks for itself and I think Najee the offense will be a little bit better this year and I think that there's a Najee bouncing back receiving wise at least like to the middle he had in the 70s as a rookie in the forties for receptions last year, I think him getting back to like that 55 ish. I mean, Najee for as frustrating a guy as he was, was RB three and RB 13 or RB 14. Um, so, you know, he's given you two productive seasons and Najee, we keep hearing about like all these little knocks and he plays through all of them. We, we thought the guy was going to have a list Frank and he played every single game. So yeah. I will say Najee Harris over all of them. Najee Harris is a compiler, but he scores fantasy points. Yeah, that's uh, four players in a row in, in our consensus rankings at JWB. We have Najee at the top, Javante after that, Dobbins, and then Mixon. So, yeah, they're all tight. Uh, honestly, they're they're all uh, very close for me and for Skyler. Um, yeah. yeah, go ahead, Skyler. Yeah, no, where we might not be on uh, when we're speaking as high on with Dobbins. We have him at 17, so versus player profile at 20. Yeah. We still think that there is a market for him. Um, but, 
yeah, I think Mixon is probably the name I'd throw up. If if you do want to get what I view as similar production, if not, if we want to make a bet, you know, I might go Mixon on the single season bet. And you can get a plus on top of that in a lot of leagues. Managers want nothing to do with Joe Mixon. He's been a guy kind of all off season here at JWB. We've been like, it's not sexy. It's not flashy. But if you can get a plus on any of these backs that have legitimate question marks, you're looking at you're looking at undeniable volume for Joe Mixon. I and mean, we're talking 250 opportunities plus, and that's not something I can guarantee with a player like J.K. Dobbins. Yeah. All right. Let's finish up uh, moving down the ranks a bit for our third running back of the day. Alvin Kamara, DLF, June startup ADP was RB32, will be 28 years old for this season. 12.2 half PPR points last year, which is the worst of his career. I think he's kind of been misused the last couple of years, being used more as a runner, not as much of as a receiver. Uh, and he really hasn't performed quite as much as we'd like as a runner. He's 48th and 41st in breakaway runway the last two years. Now, if you look at the receiving metrics, those still look good. Okay. So like he's still good there. Running's not looking so well, but now he's expected to be suspended. They signed Jamal Williams. They draft Kendra Miller. There's all these things. And it's left me saying, I just want nothing to do with Alvin Kamara at this point. Now, if you talk like maybe best ball, like an underdog, um, I think he's starting to become a value because he's fallen so far there that I might take the one-year bet. If I'm going to do it, I'll do it there where I don't have to worry about actually putting him in my lineups. If you want to get on underdog fantasy, you can sign up with code JWB for a first-time deposit match up to $100. But Theo, how are we feeling about Alvin Kamara? Not good. I mean, Alvin Kamara. So, like, fundamentally, you've we've you've already hit on it. the 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 on field play has regressed, and he's getting older. He's he's almost twenty eight years old right now, and they've added backfield competition. Where last year you didn't really see that. Now they've added Jamal Williams, and Jamal Williams certainly carries himself like a guy who's going to get going to be a big part of the offense. There's nothing about the demeanor of Jamal Williams. That somebody was like, "Hey Jamal, you're 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 the backup to Alvin Kamara." Like, "Hey, come do this press conference." Like, Jamal Williams has incredible swag. Every time he he opens his mouth, it's like this confident player who's going to do well. And Jamal Williams, when it is not known for his receiving ability, he obviously conceded receptions to DeAndre Swift. But when he was in Green Bay, he was a capable receiver, not dynamic, but a guy who could get you 35 receptions on the year just enough to be a pain in the butt to Alvin Kamara if he's there. Then they add Kendra Miller, a 20-year-old back who's a two-way ability, an athletic uh, running back who's 215 pounds, 220 pounds, and can do a lot of things. So you added a 20-year-old who can play and are in round three, and you added a guy who led the league in, in rushing touchdowns last year who's like the ultimate, like everybody loves Jamal Williams' locker room presence, um, just a dynamic personality uh, who – coaches seem to just adore. So I, I don't like it at all. Plus the looming suspension where I think it could be a lot of games on the suspension. And I know that like the longer you wait, the more people kind of chill out. Um, but I've heard some people that still speculating it could be 10 games. It's a violent act on film. And when right. we've had violent acts on film in the past, they've, they've laid the hammer on guys. So there's film involved. There's violence involved. You, you don't know when the NFL is going to lay hammers down. I mean, anybody who has Jamison Williams in Dynasty, like they just drop suspensions whenever they want. We remember the dark days when they when they announced it for Calvin Ridley. So it's like, I don't want to be holding Alvin Kamara in any Dynasty League. I think this is like the kind of player you want to get out of. It's a, a guy who's regressing, who's 28 years old with a looming suspension. 
and has increased backfield competition. It's just, I don't like it at all. I have taken him in best ball because like where he's going in best ball, like a 10th round pick in best ball. Um, that's fine. I mean, you're taking a, you're, you're trying to compete against, you know, maybe 25,000 people in some of these big best ball contests like underdog, but in a dynasty league, you're competing against 11 other managers. You don't need this kind of a guy dragging down your roster and, and just basically it could be a dead spot on your roster. You have to hold. And then Wyatt, when, when the guy gets suspended for 10 games and comes back and plays just okay, he has even less uh, value than he does right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I like your point about how the suspension could be much larger than people realize. I, I feel like I, anytime I hear someone talk about it, they say like four to six games since when, when it's on film, as you mentioned, like it could really come down hard. We don't know how big that suspension can be. Um, Skylar, do you have differing feelings? No, I mean, Alvin Kamara, <laughs> Alvin Kamara last year was basically the only name on this team, and he still struggled to hit double-digit fantasy points on basically 50% of his games. For a player whose main calling card, athletically speaking, was his burst scores, he was outside the top 25 in yards per touch, juke rate, evaded tackles, breakaway one, runs. Like It just wasn't a very good season here for Alvin Kamara, and you brought up Jamal Williams in Green Bay. Well, you could kind of look at it like when – uh, AJ Dillon came into town with versus like a Kendra Miller. And then you've got Kamara, like your Aaron Jones. The difference is Aaron Jones at that point was still, you know, I think that season, that initial season was over five and a half yards per carry rate around it. I think around seven and a half yards per uh, catch. Like he was still incredibly efficient. One of the most efficient players, not only in the league, but you know, of, you know, the decade. So for Alvin Kamara, we're not expecting that efficiency. It's added competition a year older. His burst has gone down. No, uh, you know, pretty evidently and then on top of it the, the looming suspension then there's new quarterback there's new like there's changes on the team level there's i want nothing to do with Alvin Kamara. he's a player again on the roster that is just miserable to look at and kind of to want to depend on at all i don't really know what you're going to get from Alvin Kamara this season but the question is the of course everyone's like yeah it's the amount of red flags make it obvious you don't want Alvin Kamara and you and 11 league mates probably feel the exact same way. So my question to you, if I want to throw it back is where are you comfortable getting rid of Alvin Kamara? I'll throw a couple wide receivers at you, but at first I'll just mention like the two 10 in a rookie super flex rookie draft like that. I guess that's kind of where we'll start. So that's like the Roshan Bigsby, or maybe your Rashi rice Mingo, that kind of area in drafts. It's a gross, it's a gross like pill to swallow, but I think those guys all have a chance. And I think like any way you cut it, like the scenario where Alvin Kamara becomes James White goes out, goes like down, down the drain kind of every single day where he kind of ages gracefully. You bring up like the yards per carry. The guy was at four yards per carry last year, 3.7 the year before. Like he gave you that 25 point per game season, but that was three years ago. And, you know, people kind of need to, kind of forget about it it's it's a long time ago and Rasheed Rice I'll take over Kamara um and the two running backs you bring up they both have a shot um they're certainly like we have Roshan Johnson ahead of Alvin Kamara right now in dynasty rankings at player profiler I think Tank Bigsby is probably behind him uh just because of the backfield competition but like both those guys have a little bit of juice you're talking about day three backs uh I would if the way that I would handle Kamara is I would present Kamara in a package deal for someone. I wouldn't look for a one-for-one trade. I think he's more worth worth more uh, in a package where maybe you're you're offering up like two veterans, 
Kamara plus a usable wide receiver or usable running back and try to get younger or try to get a, a more significant draft pick, maybe go to a team that's contending. You know, this would be the window to do it. He's still going, hey guys, you know, this is Alvin Kamara. He could still give you running back two numbers. And even if he's suspended, you're going to use him down the stretch for a championship run. I think he's he's a better player to package than than to try to trade in a straight up dynasty trade because then you're you're dealing with everybody knowing there could be a suspension coming, and you're also dealing with with people that know that the play has regressed. So he's a perfect package guy. Well, I I'll throw that play. at you then. What about if you had Terry McLaurin and Alvin Kamara and you were trying to move up? Would you trade those two players for like a Najee Harris? A hundred percent. I think that's do that would be the best case you're looking. Would you trade those two for a J.K. Dobbins? Uh, I probably would. I think there's a little a little bit more risk there, like we talked about. But I, I think I would absolutely do that. And you bring up McLaurin, a guy who's never cracked 15 points per game, who has increased competition with Jahan Dotson and is also getting older. Like mm-hmm. Terry McLaurin is is sort of AJ Pexy. Um, I was able to package McLaurin in a big deal to get like a Cooper Cup this year. And I, that's the kind of trade I'm looking to make. I think those kind of guys um, that, you know, we could come back a year from now and Jahan Dotson could be worth more than him. Some dynasty managers already uh, value Dotson more. We have Dotson and him like back to back on our rankings for wide receivers. So I think that's a perfect wide receiver to, to kind of like package with Kamara for, uh, you know, for some contending manager and try to get a premium pick or try to get a younger player with a little bit of juice. Love that, Theo. Love that. Lots of really good stuff there. I'll say that uh, we have Dotson ahead of McLaurin. Uh, yeah, to throw out we, a little we've bit actually in had Dotson ahead of Terry McLaurin basically since John Dotson was drafted. Uh, this <laughs> I mean, John is like Dotson, breeding he's a baller. For, yeah. yeah, I mean, this is we'll we'll shout out our guy Nate here, who was the first to be like, we need to be higher on this guy. We all need to take a better look at him. He was our on he was our wide receiver five in the class behind. Um, it was Wilson, London, um, Alave. Burks. And then we yeah. had Jahan Dotson. He was our 107 in Superflex drafts. Um, but yeah, sorry. We just bring up Jahan Dotson yeah. anytime we can <laughs> on this channel. He was actually the secret password for anyone who wanted to jump in our Discord hosted startups. So we're a big fan of him there. I think Cooper Cup would be a great target. Like if you had a Terry McLaurin and a Alvin Kamara, if you could throw even a, sec- a second round pick oh, or yeah. something else and just go ask the manager, like, how close this is get me? I know you're looking maybe for more pieces. Uh, yeah, that'd be a home run. Even, even, we talked recently when we had Mike fail on the show about Cooper cup and Devonte Adams. And we all have Cooper cup, a solid little bit above Devonte Adams, but even a Devonte Adams, I would, I'd be so stoked if I got that type of able done with Terry AK. And then a second, I think I'd still be down for that deal. I think that the, the thir- the near 30 year old or 30 year old uh, group of receivers, dynasty managers don't know how to handle them. And all those guys are aging gracefully. Uh, all of those guys scored big time last year. And all of them are going to get targeted heavily this year. I think they're all great trade uh, trade candidates. And just so I'm in like the cool kids club here, uh, Jahan Dotson, I just double checked. We have Jahan Dotson at 28 and McLaurin at 29. So, there we so go. We're, we're with you there. We're with you there. Neck and neck, but good rankings I, for them both. And honestly, the enemy is going to be fun for Dotson. Like I think Dotson's like, it's, it's funny because we talk about Gabe Davis earlier in the show and the dynasty community's heavier for Dotson than the best baller redraft community is like Dotson's like wide receiver, like 40 wide receiver, 42 in some of these formats. Like, I think he could flip it so easy. This is a classic, you know, younger player with a lot of juice getting a chance to outscore his teammate. That's getting drafted a couple rounds ahead in redraft. Like I, I love Dotson. I think Dotson has got a real chance this year. 
Yeah, he flashed well enough as a rookie to bring more people on board, but kind of especially with your best ball, your redraft, the stigma around him was Washington receiver, um, smaller receiver. I swear that Jay Dotson being confused with Jay Doxson in Washington in the first round, right at the same spot in those mid rounds. I think that subconsciously played a lot into it with some manners, whether they realized it or not. But yeah, when you have talent like him, the, he you don't go in the first round as a fluke, especially with him and the way he performed at Penn. I yeah, we 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 love Jake. We love Jahan Dotson here. The only pushback we've given people is uh, some of these Donny Streets have pushed him even into their top 20. And that's where we're pumping the brakes. We're like, listen, we still do have a lot of question marks with the Washington. Terry is still there. As much as we love him, we just say, if he's around 28 where you have him, we're all for it. We love Jahan Dotson. But when he starts to creep up like an Elijah Moore did uh, before Garrett Wilson got drafted into the top 20, that's when we start to pump the brakes. You get the weird time of the summer where people want to poke holes in games. And guess what, guys? Jahan Dotson, he scored too many touchdowns last year for, for the number of touches. <laughs> yeah, like like this because it's it's an obvious sell because of all the touchdowns. Okay. All right. Yeah, my my smaller receiver showing capabilities in the red zone's a bad thing, I guess. hundred <laughs> yeah. percent. Love it, love it, love it. Theo, thank you so much for joining us. This was a lot of fun. Before we got here, let people know where to find you, all your work, all the all those things. So you can find me on Twitter at the OG Fantasy. Uh, you can find my written work at playerprofiler.com. You can find me on the Sonic Truth Dynasty podcast with Matt Kelly on Tuesdays and Alan Sislowski's on, on, on as well. Uh, and then I do First Class Fantasy with Billy Muzio. We just had Hayden Winks from uh, Underdog on last week. Uh, I have Chris Vaccaro and Nando DeFino from The Athletic coming on on Thursday. Uh, and then I just dropped press coverage, which is my solo pod. It's going very well. I had Sigmund Bloom. I had... Uh, Adam Levitan. And then today we had Josh Larkey, who's a former player profiler guy as well. Uh, and then I'm on the Goat District on Wednesday evenings. And you can find Goat District now on Player Profiler YouTube. So I'm all over the place. Uh, but this was so much fun. A lot of respect for what you guys do. Um, I think you guys are both very sharp. And I really enjoyed this conversation. Well, appreciate you coming on again. This was, like I said, a lot of fun. I really mean that. Over here, you can find Skylar at the FF Buffalo. You can find me at YP underscore FF. You can find JWB at JWB underscore FF. In the description of this video, as Skylar mentioned, you can find our clips catalog. You can also find the link to our free Discord. You can find the link to our Patreon for all of our bonus content. And as I said, we're sponsored by Underdog. Sign up with code JWB for that first time deposit match while you're here. Finally, like, subscribe, all those things. It really helps us. We'll see you next time.